0: Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. Uh, This is a new podcast from the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office. I hope you're all having a great Bearcat day. My name is Travis Klein. I am the internship coordinator with Career Services here. I'm joined by my co-host Hannah Christian.
1: Hi guys, I'm Hannah. I'm the Assistant Director of Career Services here at Northwest.
0: And so the idea behind this podcast is we want to talk to different folks uh, who have went to Northwest Missouri State University, who are currently going to Northwest Missouri State University, or who work here at Northwest, um, and kind of hear about their career journeys, how they got where they are today, advice they would have for students, and just let you know how they are as people. So A little bit of...
1: Behind the Bearcats, hence the the podcast name. Yeah, a little behind the scenes. What we're going to do is we are going to sacrifice ourselves on the (laughs) altar of being the first people on the show since we're the co hosts. Um, And since Travis introduced himself first, (laughs) he gets to go first. So, Travis. Um, What exactly do you do as an internship coordinator here at Northwest?
0: That's a really good question. You know, I'm still trying to figure that out every day. Um, Really, basically what I do is I help Northwest students find internship opportunities. That's, That's really the, if I had to sum it up in one line, that would be what it is. So part of that is working with students directly on internship search, doing how to find an internship sessions, things like that. Um, the other part of it then is working with faculty to let them know about what opportunities are out there, um, to help them spread the word about opportunities to their students. And then there's also a part of working with employers to try and get them to develop opportunities for students. But it all comes so back to students. Are
1: these, so are these internships are those something students have to do? Do they have to get credit for them? What Can you tell me exactly what is an internship? If I do an internship, right. do I have to get academic credit for it? Do I have to, do I not get credit? Do I? Right. Can you explain that to me a little
0: bit? And it depends on the, the individual situation. Some of our majors do require students to do an internship for academic credit to graduate, and more and more of the new ones are doing that. Um, but any student is welcome to do that. Really what I always tell students when they come in and say, I don't even know what an internship is. It's really just an opportunity to learn, to use what you learn in the classroom and then put it to work in a practical setting. So, you know, we teach you in all the classes here how to do things, you know, kind of the theory of everything. And some of our majors are more hands-on than others, but the internship allows you to actually go into a place of work and do it for real. So that's, that's super valuable. We hear, you know, you the, the media and there's a lot of kind of Attention these days on students graduating with no practical experience. Well, an internship is the best way to get practical, profession based. So,
1: experience. did you have an internship when you were you graduated from Northwest? I did. I graduated correct?
0: from Northwest. I'm a broadcasting major, so it was kind of coming back home to get to do this. Um, I did not do an internship, and I always tell students, "Do as I say, not as I do." Um, I worked at a radio station all through high school and college, both. So, I was using those skills practically every day, but not in an internship setting. And if I could go back. That's the one thing I would change. I would definitely do that opportunity, you know, try and go somewhere else, go to a larger city, a larger market, Maryville, town of about 11,000 people. For those of you who aren't familiar, not a big city, not a big town. So definitely small market radio and you kind of have to do everything there. And in the big cities, it's not that you specialize you could, in one yeah, area. Yeah, specialize a little bit more. Yeah, so that would and have I been a gotcha. good experience for me to have that I did not have. <laughs>
1: So. Gotcha. So, what is a typical day? So, you work with students to find right. internships, but what does a typical day in your life look like? So, you come to work with right. your coffee.
0: <laughs> yes, I do. I, sometimes I need coffee for sure to get going. <laughs> you know, there's really no typical day, and that's what I like about our office. We do a lot of events. So, like, we have Career Day coming up here a week from yesterday, actually. So, it's, you know, there's a lot of kind of work leading up to that. In the day of events is, you know, those are always, you never know what it's going to bring. Most of the time, though, it's really just kind of, Prep work, you know, there's a lot of kind of correspondence back and forth to students and faculty and employers. So, a lot of email, which that's just as exciting as it sounds. But it's really important. And, uh, you know, it, it is my favorite days are the days I get to be in front of students, whether that's in a classroom presenting on job search or internship search or resumes or whatever. You know, I really enjoy those days because that's kind of when the rubber meets the road. That's when you know that what you're doing matters and makes a difference. And it's always really rewarding when I present in a class and then. A few days later that a student will come in from one of those classes with questions. You know, that's always it's like, yeah, it worked.
1: <laughs> so how many internships and I don't do you measure them in a year, mm-hmm. like a year's time? So how many internships do students on campus? How many internships happen here on campus in a
0: year's time? Uh, over the course of a year, it's we have about 200 in the fall and spring each and then about 600 over the wow. summer. So about 1000 total. Now that's only the ones done for academic credit. Like I say, not all students are required to do them for credit. And a lot of our students I think are doing internships or internship experiences and they're not there's no reporting mechanism for them. So we don't know about those. So I mean that number we have about roughly 6000 students we could have, you know, half of we them We could probably could have
1: well, yeah, yeah, 600
0: more could be doing Absolutely. internships and that we don't know about. And right? more than likely, I think most students that do it It's not formally called an internship. You know, there might be it's working a part-time job or a summer job somewhere, and they don't think of it as an internship, but it still is. You know, as far as what the goal of it is, the same outcome happens. So, you know, I I wish there was a better way to capture that, and we're trying to figure those things out, and it's not just a Northwest struggle. That's kind of industry-wide. How do you figure this stuff out? But the ones we can measure, it's about a 1,000 a year, and I think that's, you know, that's a sixth of the student body. I think that's pretty good for any any common school year.
1: Gotcha. So I, I think my plan for this is to, to go back and walk us through. Right. So you came to Northwest and yep. you were a, a radio, what was broadcast. your actual major? So it was broadcast yes. production, just like it still is. Yep. Broadcast gotcha. production. Yep. So you're a broadcast production major and you worked at the radio station. How, so let's talk about your journey yeah. to become the internship coordinator. So right. what, what was your, so you worked at the radio station. Was that your first Full-time job out of college? It was,
0: it was my first part-time job and my first full-time job. So um, I was in a program here at Northwest called Upward Bound where uh, high school students spend one Saturday a month um, doing like enrichment classes on campus in the mornings on Saturdays. And then you spend five weeks in the summer living in the residence halls, taking classes. And part of that is you have to do job shadowing. And I was one of those kids when they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, my answer was always independently wealthy. <laughs> that did not. <laughs> yeah, happen. me too. Yeah, Actually, that, that was it. also my career goal. Yeah. But. So, you know, I never had a plan for it. So when it came time, you had to do an experience and like they've, they were like, okay, Travis, you've got to do something, pick something. And they gave, they had a list of businesses and the radio station was one of them. Um, and I was like, you know, I love music. I listen to the radio station here in town quite a bit. So it was like, that would be really fun. Let's do that. So, but you
1: didn't have, so you never were like, oh, I've always wanted to be a radio. I never had a colleague. Okay. Gotcha.
0: I I envy those students who I knew I wanted to be a teacher from first grade. Like that, that would be really nice. No, I never had that. (laughs) Um, so I did, I went to the radio station, do the do the job shadowing. That was very much just watch. you didn't you didn't touch much. Um, but the owner at the time, Steve Mickelson was just this really great guy and he we had one of the things they had us do as job shadowers we had to write a commercial and it was just a little 15 second commercial for an event, I think, so not even a commercial, a promo. And then we had to record it. So he happened to be walking by while I was recording mine and he popped his head in and said, that sounded really good. Have you ever thought about working here and it's like, oh, I'm only 15. Well, as soon as you turn 16, you know, I'd give you a job if you want to work here. So I I held him to that and I turned 16. um, Your
1: commercial skills. Yeah. kind of came out there.
0: I think the deep voice, because even as a 15 year old, I had a pretty deep voice at that point. Um, Did you also
1: have a beard? I started. I had a start (laughs) of a beard. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So... um, so when I, I turned 16 on December 30th, in January 2nd, um, I started working oh, wow. <laughs> working at the radio station. I started doing Sunday church services. Um, they were an AM-FM AM, FM simulcast station, but Sunday mornings they'd break off and the AM would play three church services. So we had a 30-minute cassette from the First Christian Church, 30-minute cassette from the First Methodist Church, and then the um, Baptist Church would call in live. So. Oh. Flip it over, you introduce each one, you play the tape, wait for it to end, you talk it back out, you play the tape, and then you do the call. So, so.
1: something I didn't even think about was that you were running a radio station at the time when they had tapes, yep. right? Absolutely. None of this digital stuff, right? So no, you were flipping was, tapes on and off, yeah, right? it Yeah,
0: and it was a literal cassette tape they would bring in, and they'd use the same one, and I think it was one that had something else on it at one point. We had this great big, like electron magnet magnet basically you press the button and you run a tape over it and it erases everything and I remember I wore a, wa- a really cheap crappy watch at the time and the first time I ran it it killed my watch <laughs> so I learned really quick not to not to wear that into work so so yeah so that's how it started and then from that it turned into working ball games and then um, spoof hound football was a really big deal and still is for the station so I worked that basically every Friday night from junior year senior year through graduating college, so, and that was, I wasn't doing the play-by-play, thank goodness, but I I ran the board. So you were, like, flipping it, ran the board, board in through. And we ran tape the whole time, and every time that they would score, you had to, it was literally still a cassette tape, like, you stopped the cassette tape, pulled it out, get another one in, and then you queued it up, so at halftime, they'd play back the play and whatever, so, so it was pretty pretty involved for a game. It took a lot of of effort, especially as a teenager. It was like, oh my God, there's so much responsibility, but it was really fun. And then I had a Saturday music shift after that and just kind of gained responsibility as I went through. So, so I did that from 16 through high school, through college. And then. So
1: you are at the, you were at the same radio station in town through high school. And then you went to college at Northwest and then you still worked, worked all there. the way through there. Yep. Wow.
0: Yeah, still worked and still did basically the same things all through college. Um, I picked up some some more shifts, of course, because I didn't have school during the day. Um, and then I actually started working full time the last semester of my senior year. So I had, you know, just a few classes during the day, but then I would work in the evening. So I think my shift was three to three to eight. So I worked full time. Gotcha. So did semester.
1: you work for the radio station on campus as well? Like, did you a do couple stuff semesters for that? Okay. Yeah. Radio practicum. I should have done more with that. Yeah, I
0: only worked a few semesters. So.
1: Gotcha. Yep. Okay, so you graduate. So we've got you. You've radioed all the way from the time you were 16 all the yep. way up through college. Mm-hmm. So then you graduate from college, and then what was your plan? What was your <laughs> jumping off point?
0: Well, I was going to stay at the station for a while. You know, I'd hope to move up to like program director, a music director, things like that. Um it was again, a small town station. So the the same owners, um, Steve actually had left shortly after I started and another uh, family had bought it. So I worked for them all through school and it just got to where, um, you know, I had a child and I had to do severe weather coverage and it's radio is one of those things. that's really, really fun, but it takes a whole lot of time and you don't make very much money, especially in a small town. So it got to the point where it was like, you know, I was working 60 hours a week for not a lot of money and wasn't home. And your goal
1: like, of becoming independently wealthy was shriveling was not in happening. front of you. Yeah, it was not I happening. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> so so um, I, w- I had applied for lots of things in Northwest because if you live in Maryville, you know, Northwest is one of the best places to work. So I applied for all kinds of jobs on campus and kept, you know, they used to send actual letters that were basically thanks but no thanks letters. And I got a whole bunch of those. And then I finally, um, there was an admissions representative job that came up um, so I applied for that and I'd actually worked for Upward Bound as a college student working with high school kids and I really enjoyed that and I leaned really heavily into that when I applied for that job. And when they called me in for an interview, that's that's all I talked about. I never talked about radio at all, even though that's all I'd done. It was all working with high school students and, and they offered me the job and it was it was an easy transition from radio into admissions.
1: Gotcha. So were you a recruiter for was, admissions yep. as an admissions rep? So what were you doing then? You You'd been radio uh-huh. all the way up. So then- how did you switch from radio to like recruiting?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it was, it's pretty easy process really, because it's, I always say it's, you know, if you're going to sell something, you need to sell something you love. And I really, my time at Northwest and I've been here, you know, through all through upper bound and all that sort of stuff. So I'd been around Northwest for most of my life at that point.
1: So are you from here originally? I'm from about 20 miles from Maryville.
0: Yeah. A little small town called Maitland. So pretty close to Maryville. Um, so it was really easy for me to go on the road and tell high school kids, Hey, you need to come to school at Northwest cause it's great. Cause it was great. Um, so that was an easy, easy transition for that. I was also the webmaster at uh, KNIM and when I started there, that kind of got thrown into that position and they literally handed me a book that was HTML for dummies and said, here, figure out how to do this. And I figured out how to do it. I don't think I got very good at it, but I figured it out. So when I started for admissions, I also did the admissions website. So I was a halftime recruiter. So I traveled about five weeks a semester, doing college fairs and high school visits, which was really fun Um, in mostly the southern Missouri and a little bit of Kansas. But then I also did the website. I did admissions emails at the time. And since then, they've kind of offloaded that all to marketing. But when I was there, it was kind of we did all of our own and I I kind of did it. So did
1: you did you tell them that when you Like in your job interview, did you let them know that you had that extra skill or was that something they were just like, oh, Travis is hired and now. And that
0: was honestly the reason I applied because it was, they needed someone to run the admissions website and it's like, well, I've run the KNIM website so I can do this. And I wasn't sure about the recruiting part, but again, I I had to talk to people as part of working in radio. You have to do remotes where you go to client sites and, you know, you talk about their events and promotions. So I was used to that part of it. So I kind of felt like I had a handle on a little bit of sales, if not a total grasp of it. And really recruiting is not the same as sales because it's really just look at our stuff and come visit campus, not give me a whole bunch of your money right now. Not,
1: let me twist your arms. That's, you yes, must come here. Much easier that gotcha. way, I think.
0: Yeah. So doing that was, was definitely interesting. So, um, going out on the road was, was really scary at first. Um, I'd not traveled a huge amount from Maryville. So, you know, going out and having to drive all over southern Missouri was interesting a GPS was the saving grace um, kind of told me how to get everywhere and you know got to know all those small towns and I always knew where the school was if nothing else if I was going somewhere so so did the
1: schools call you and ask you to come or did you no, call you them no you have to reach so, out so that's kind of the sales aspect that is of it as and well. it's
0: like they, they want you to do three visits in a day so that's college fair or high school visit so the nice thing about where I did was there's kind of College fairs all over the state are kind of organized to where they don't overlap with each other, and they're all kind of close to each other, so they'll be, if there's three in a day, they're within driving distance really close together. So I used that and then filled in the gaps with visits when I needed to. So it was a lot of times looking where I was going to be, what was close, how many students gotcha. they had. Um, we had to look at things like, you know, the the discounted free lunch programs to see how much academic need or how much um, monetary need there was in the areas, things like that. But it was really a pretty not difficult process. Other, other recruiters had to kind of do it all from zero. So they had to figure out where they're going to go, who they're going to talk to. And I had a much easier territory than they did since I was just halftime.
1: Gotcha. So, so you went out recruiting less than the other recruiters did because you had that other piece of your job, which was the website part. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. I gotcha. So, so you're happy in your life recruiting. So what, how did you get, then how would you move on from there? What made you change your mind or or make that decision? Right.
0: So the travel was really fun, but again having having a child and children at that point, you know, because I had a I had a son as well as a daughter at that point, so it was hard to be away. Um, my daughter was getting old enough to where, when I would leave Monday morning, there were tears when I would come back Thursday night. There were tears. That got really hard as a parent to gotcha. deal with. Um, there were also, you know, it's one of those positions where people don't stay in for a long time typically. So we had. Folks would kind of cycle in and out, so things would change with territory and with responsibilities, and it just got to where the the travel and the, the events and things like that that we were doing was kind of it was getting more and more difficult to manage. So, so
1: how how many years were you recruiting? How many? Did uh, you I started
0: that? in two thousand eight, and I, I started in career services in two thousand fifteen so So seven seven years years. yeah so so a good long while long enough to get really comfortable with what I was doing and then have it changed (laughs) so which was part of it too that there was some change that came through so um just looking at other things that were on campus this job came up and it's actually it's funny because when I applied for it my wife laughed and she was like you're not qualified for that you never did an internship (laughs) and it's like well but I can tell people they need to because I didn't so it was interesting in that regard to kind of to do that but it was just kind of one of those I kind of applied on a on a whim just to see what would happen and was amazed to get it. The thing that saved me with the the career services job was you, at that point, there was a policy on campus. You had to do a phone screener interview first before you came in. in And we all
1: know that you're really good at talking on on the the phone or on the radio, right? So you already have that kind of big first advantage.
0: Yeah. And that was, I think that's what really was the difference maker for me because I was, I was kind of awkward in the in-person interview. I had experience doing that. You know, I'd interviewed people for like our distinguished scholars day. We had students come in, we'd have to interview but to actually get to do a phone interview and be in kind of that comfort zone of, okay, they're just hearing my voice. I was in my home office, you know, in very comfortable clothes. I took the day off that day. So (laughs) it was very, very relaxed atmosphere and I felt really comfortable. And I think that came through. And I think that that's, that's why they gave me a second glance because I certainly didn't have the best qualifications of anybody that applied. You know, I only had a bachelor's degree and not a master's, which wasn't required, but never heard. Did you have
1: an awesome resume?
0: No, my resume was terrible. <laughs> and it's funny because I thought it was really good until I started looking, until I started my resume training, you know, with the stuff that you should put on there and like everything that said not to do mine.
1: You had. did it. Yeah. I had so. a bear cat
0: paw on there, which is a trademarked image. I had two <laughs> columns. I had stuff in weird order. It was everything that's wrong. My re- my references were right there on it, on it, on the front page instead of on a separate page. So it was just kind of. Your
1: advanced. references were on the front page of your that resume. That was one, one wow. of the professors here wow. liked
0: us to do that. So gotcha. yeah, it was interesting. Because one of the first resumes I remember critiquing of a student's was another mass com student, and her resume looked almost exactly like mine. In fact, I pulled mine out that I applied with, It was like, <laughs> "Look at this! How much would they look alike!" So, it wasn't just; it was kind of a institutional mistake as much as a personal one <laughs> at that point.
1: Awesome. All right. So, what? So, you interviewed for this position and you got it. Uh-huh. Um, so, how long? Again, you said twenty fifteen. December twenty fifteen is when I started. Year. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, so I guess we've covered, we kind of covered yeah. that that position. So right. do you have any tips or tricks uh, as far as from your own experience, mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily office experience because that's kind of what we do all day right. here at Career Services is we you know, make fun of people's resumes. I don't know if <laughs> you yeah. might have to edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's much better now than it was. So <laughs> we, we do resume reviews for students and right. for faculty and for staff and mm-hmm. for alumni and for community members. So we do that every day. We've seen probably among the four of us, we've seen more resumes than any Lots. one person will yep. see in their whole lifetime. Yeah. Um, but we do that. But also interviewing tips. I mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. You are more comfortable in a phone interview Absolutely. than in a face-to-face interview. Yep. Um, so, do you have any tips about that? I think, you know,
0: I think the biggest thing with interviewing is the more prepared you are, the more successful you're going to be. When I went into that admissions interview, I had done so much research on what they did. You know, I knew the person before me. I was able to find where they traveled the previous semester. Um, So I kind of knew the territory. I was able to look up, you know, like what they what their kind of their push was for how they were trying to recruit students at the time. So I had a lot of kind of artillery ready for that interview. So I and it was a three staged interview in person for the admissions job. It was you met with the other recruiters, which was kind of a really casual, you know, get Kinda to know like a you. Group yeah. It was really a conversation. I didn't even think of it as an interview until they said, okay, I think we're done. And it's like, gotcha. oh, we were interviewing. Then you had to meet with the direct supervisor, um, who was one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet and was not intimidating. But then you had to meet with his boss, who was the dean of enrollment management, and she was she scared the pants out of I me. Mean, I was <laughs> terrified of her. Just her, her title alone. Meet with alone, her one on one. Yes. Oh wow. That, and is I, intimidating. that was. I did that yeah. first because oh. her schedule was so bad that day. I had to do her first. I met with her first, then met with the direct supervisor Jeremy, and then met with the recruiter. So my interview got easier. As it went, as it yeah, progressed Yeah, instead through. of harder. So that was <laughs> nice. But that preparation, especially with her, I think I was able to make, you know, a bit of an impression that I, I knew what I was talking about. The questions I asked weren't just, you know, tell me about what you do or where will I be traveling? It was like, okay, I see that this person traveled, you know, in Southern Missouri in the Ozarks, you know, is that, would you like me to continue that route or are you thinking you want me to expand somewhere else? So I had a little more kind of well-formulated thoughts and questions. And gotcha. I think that was something later she said kind of stuck out to her in the Interview was that that homework had paid off a little bit.
1: How did you know how to do that homework? Did you did was that just something you naturally came? No, out it with definitely or wasn't. Did natural. somebody give you that tip? It
0: was, it was really born out of complete ignorance of what the job was. <laughs> I, you know, it was kind of a, You know, I think that that's good advice for students to have. The best jobs I've gotten, the admissions job here and the career services job, were both just kind of. I'm going to take a swing at this, and if I don't get it, I don't get it. You know, it wasn't. I have to do this. It wasn't, I oh, I for think it I'll be good. Life, yeah, it's right? it's definitely not a situation like that. It really is, you take a chance and then you make the best out of what you're given. So, you know, I knew that the Northwest website had a ton of information on it. And I I when I was looking at the position to apply, there were links to the website and they want you to run the website. So I thought it was really good to look at it. And it was just there. So, I mean, it was really just kind of, it came out of, I don't know what this person does, so let's find out as much as I can before I go into it. And part of it was, before I went into the interview, I wanted to know if it was something I'd really want to do. Gotcha. I'd interviewed for a couple other jobs, like our local movie theater. I'd interviewed for a management position there, and it was like, well, you're going to work every weekend, you're going to work every holiday, and we'll pay you a little bit less than you make now. So I, if I would have known <laughs> that, I wouldn't have done the interview and wasted our gotcha. time. So part of it, too, is just wanting to, to educate myself about it, but then that helped really prepare for that interview setting, too.
1: Gotcha. All right. Well, thank you, Travis. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Yeah.
0: So now we get to flip the script and we get to talk (laughs) to you. So so you are also a Northwest Missouri State graduate, right?
1: I am a proud Bearcat, uh, right from the very beginning. Um, (laughs) So, whenever I was a senior in high school, you know, and going through that Mm -hmm. looking for a college, um, I came across the Northwest website, which was kind of cutting edge at the time, which is funny because it was. Just now, we've just kind of refreshed yep. it a little bit now. And this was in 2000. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, I found it online first, and there were a couple things it had going for it. Number one, my favorite color is green. Okay. That helps. <laughs> that does not hurt. Yeah. Uh, number two, I had been pretty involved in high school in a variety of different clubs. I'd traveled to Missouri Southern, Missouri State. I, I'd been to basically every single campus. In Missouri, with the exception of UMKC and some of the St. Louis schools and Truman, and of course, Northwest. So, I'd been to all the other campuses, I'd seen what they had to offer, um, and I wasn't really excited about any of them. So, I kind of just put all my eggs in one basket and said, I'm going to go to Northwest. I knew I wanted to major in biology, and they had a slightly stronger or a more varied biology program than Truman did because they're about equal distance mm-hmm. away, um, you would have actually been recruiting in my territory right. because I'm from South Missouri, uh, Southwest Missouri. So um, I wanted to get far away from home, and that was about as far away as I could get yeah, while still to. being in the state. <laughs> yeah. So, And their color was green, and they accepted me. So off yeah. I went to school with no, no connections, no family ties, no friends came here. It was just me.
0: Wow, and biology to um, being the assistant director of right. Also, services. also
1: a circuitous career path. Right. Uh, so, my mom is actually a plant physiologist, and my dad was a musician. Um, both my parents worked at the postal service, but um, <laughs> it's ironic that they had the same job. Very opposite training. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was very biology fluent. I guess I like to talk about things in terms of languages. Um, So biology came easy for me. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know, I I originally wanted to be a zoologist and work with big cats. Um, And so I came here and kind of got diverted while I was taking the animal classes and the plant classes. I got diverted off onto the plant sort of path Mm -hmm. and did... um, I also worked while I was here. I was on the grounds crew. So I did a lot of work with plants. I managed the botany greenhouse. It got built while I was a student. So I was the first student employee there. Um, and I did a couple research projects. We had a big research project out by the pellet plant. There's a pond out there. And there are a whole bunch of black locust trees, which are the trees that have like thorns that are like eight inches long and really will tear you up. And so we did a research project of cutting down trees out there. So I had a whole bunch of plant experience. I really enjoyed the plant side of things like plants are probably not going to eat you right. or mangle your leg or something if, you know, the big cats, it's a little bit different ball mm-hmm. game. Plants are captive audience. You don't have to chase them around the world. I wasn't really planning on going over to Asia To go find the tigers anytime soon. So um, stuck with the plant biology. And actually, um, so I worked all of those jobs while I was here. Actually did not have an internship either um, because I had so much related experience as far as part-time paid work that I never took the time to do an internship, which in retrospect, I wish I would have. That would have been a great experience for me. Um, But I also, at the time when I graduated, Ventria Biosciences was, they had built the CI And they were going to put uh, genetically modified rice in it. They were going to grow rice. And so I thought, oh, yeah, I'm a botany major graduating in 2006. My time has come. Um, And ultimately, they backed out at the end. So I then was unemployed for a couple months and did some babysitting gigs. And uh, before I got employed at my first job, which was the deputy recorder of deeds here in Nottwee County.
0: All right. So Deputy Recorder of Deeds. So what what do you do in that position? I think that's one of those local government positions where people have heard of it, but they have no concept of what you actually do. People have it. not heard of it, actually. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, I had gotten married, actually. I, got, I graduated college in... April 29th of 2006 and then I got married May 20th of 2006 Um, and ironically to get married you have to go to the recorder's office and purchase a marriage license so that's the first time I had ever heard of the recorder's office Uh, and then two or three months later the gal who was the recorder at the time approached me and said my deputy is going to move away and I'll have an opening, would you be interested? And I was like, I'll be there tomorrow (laughs) if you need me. I can come in and work. So what the deputy recorder does is the recorder's office is the repository for land transfers, marriage licenses, and tax liens, and DD-214s, which is a military discharge document. So anything important that you need recorded hence the term recorder's office, Mm -hmm. you bring it in there and you pay a fee and then they record it, which means at the time it meant they copy it onto a piece of paper, archival quality paper, and then give you back your original document, but they have a photocopy of your actual document. So you can go back and retrieve it at a later date.
0: So kind of an archivist position. Basically an archival
1: position. Uh, And what I didn't know at the time was that my job as deputy was to be the customer service, front-facing person in the office, answer the phones, uh, but also to do the data entry for the uh, land records, marriage records. So I was the one who was taking that information and then putting it into the computer system, the database on the back end, which was going to help me in the future. I didn't know that at the time. But it did help me.
0: Yeah, so hearing those duties, that that seems to lead directly into your next position. Right.
1: So I worked at the recorder's office for seven years. And at seven years, I was like, there is nothing more I can learn here. Mm -hmm. Um, I also worked elections. So the county offices are all together in uh, the Nottaway County Administration Building. Um, But I I also worked elections. I counted votes. I took ballots out to people. Um, I helped sometimes with assessing not assessing Texas, so they calculate them. Um, I worked with many of the offices in the administration building. So after learning all of that, I decided that I needed to to do something. It wasn't exactly, I didn't want to spend the rest of my life there. I needed to do something with people and helping people learn. And actually right towards the end, I held a class for the community on like how to find things in that database. A lot of local researchers came to that had about 40 people in my class community class like 10 a.m on a Wednesday that's a good and i kind of really yeah I know right Uh, I didn't know it at the time but uh, that was really good Um, and so I kind of enjoyed sharing my knowledge with the people and I think I, I realized that I wanted to be once again back at Northwest I think there's something to be said about being with young people who are interested and, and excited about going out and working and sort of changing the world. There's just a, a certain special feeling about that when you're on campus. And I would missed it since I'd been gone for so long. So what did I do? I came back to graduate school, um, applied, applied for graduate school in the higher ed leadership program. It was a cohort model. So I got a graduate assistantship from that. And after you work for seven years professionally, pretty much everyone was beaten down my door right. wanting me as a graduate assistant. I didn't know that at the time either, but, um, so I, uh, I investigated a couple different positions, but I ended up taking the supplemental instruction graduate assistant. And at the time it's the SSC now, and it has coaching and advi- advising in it. But at the time it was basically an office person and six graduate assistants. So we were actually running the programs, the assist program, student athlete success. Um, there was a GA in the proctoring center. And then there were a couple more. I can't remember all of them. There's a professional development one, mm. um, but there was just a group of us, a whole bunch of grad assistants and a tiny office up on the second floor of the library. Um, so that was my two years of my grad program. I spent doing basically program administration for the supplemental instruction program. I hired a lot of students. I interviewed a lot of students, I did all of the back-end work for that. I did the training. I went out and did evaluations of them. It was actually really good prep for the career services Yeah, that position. sounds very similar to the things we do yeah. in our office. It's actually, yeah, pretty much right up that alley. Uh, but what I did, so after that, Of course, I graduated, and I wanted to continue on at Northwest. I, too, have a couple kids and didn't want to uproot my family. So the only position that really was relevant to me at the time was a research librarian position, and it was originally titled Emerging Technology, Digital Learning and Emerging Technology. And so, like you, I had done some website design. and knew a little bit of the basic website, how to run it and stuff. And so um, I got hired to do that, also knowing that the recorder's office and the database searching that you have to do for that is really great training to be a librarian or an archivist because basically you're doing the same thing. Absolutely. It's just different types of records that you're looking for. Right. So I was a librarian for three years, research librarian, taught classes, did research for students and faculty, helped teach students how to do research, and did research for faculty. Um, and it was a very interesting position, and I really liked it a lot. But I think ultimately, I just wanted to move towards something that was a little bit geared, a little bit more broadly geared toward my interest, which was I really am just fascinated by all things career. I right. don't really know how to explain that because nobody grows up with that either. Like, no. I want to be a career services yep. assistant director. Um, and actually, the, uh, I can't the academic assistant director of academic success that was also open. And I applied for that one as well, but didn't get that position, which was really good. Cause then, um, the, this position, they were both kind of open at the same time and I had interviews for both spots. And so that's an automatic, like if one position, you don't get hired for it, then it's an automatic, all right, I'm going to put all my right. efforts into that basket. So I think that really helped me focus on my application and interview for this position.
0: What was the interview process like for this? I always, it's hard to interview with people who teach people how to interview.
1: (laughs) Right. So, um, first step was, I think, so I had a Skype interview and I was already on campus and had the Skype interview. So I, this was fascinating. I've done, I'd done phone interviews before, which I'm not a huge fan of because I am too easily distracted. So I got to like close my eyes and focus but I think the Skype interview was different because you have so many technologies coming together. You have right. the video. So you have to like look good as opposed to on the phone. Like mm-hmm. you say, you can be relaxing in your in your cave and be right. okay. You have to look good and you also have to come across well verbally. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like an aspect of the phone interview. Um, but then you also have to make sure your computer's running, which mine didn't. I went in. A day before, got the whole setup put together, tested it with the guy who was running the meeting, and it worked awesome. And then on the day of the interview, actually, I lost I lost sound. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but there was definitely a big technical mistake in the middle of it. And so that was a little, if I hadn't practiced or set up my equipment and practiced, I would have been much less confident in, mm-hmm. in that mistake, I guess. Um, but it was a huge panel of people. There was like 12 people on this interview panel for this job. And so I'm of course on a computer doing the Skype thing and it was almost impossible to see anyone's face. So I could see their bodies and I could see the way they were moving, but I, it was really, really hard for me to see facial expressions or to kind of gauge anyone's level of interest or, you know, am I doing well? Am mm-hmm. I doing poorly? I'm not really sure. Cause you're a tiny dot on the screen. Right. But I say it was better in some aspects than I think a phone interview would have been for me because I I have a really big problem with being distracted if I'm just talking on the phone. In fact, know that if you call me on campus and talk to me on the phone, I'm sitting there with my eyes closed, listening (laughs) intently to everything you're saying so that I don't forget it.
0: That's an old radio trick, too, to close your oh, eyes. Oh, is and, it? Really? I didn't even know that. And focus on something so that you don't get the, ooh, shiny, and you yep. don't lose focus that I'm,
1: way. I got a big visual shiny. Right. It's very hard for me to focus.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I was on the other side of that panel interview, so I was one of the faceless people at the table. And you did have some technical issues, but honestly, I, I think what impressed us on the interviewee side, uh, you know, the interviewer side was you handled them well. You still... You still answered the questions, even if, you know, you you missed some, you know, if you had a hard time hearing us. I remember you never could hear me speak because my voice does not carry (laughs) through a a webcam microphone that's 10 feet away. So it was the way that you handled the problems was almost like made the problems into a success for you. So I think that that was... Well, that's good. That's good to know. I I didn't even have that
1: feedback before this show. Yeah. And and I think that's
0: good for (laughs) students to know that, you know, some things are not always going to go well ever, you know, Murphy's law, whatever you plan on, it's not going to happen. So and if it can go wrong, it will go wrong, but it's how you handle it. You know, if you can handle those things gracefully and still have your, your professionalism come through, still have solid answers, then you're going to make an impression. That's
1: a good point because a lot of people do like test based interviews. That's yeah. actually kind of a test. Absolutely. You know, yeah. sometimes you should throw a little wrench right. in the thing. Yeah. Trial by fire. The test goes, right? Yeah, <laughs>
0: absolutely. So, so yeah. So Now you're assistant director of career services, so you kind of run the office and work with our students. That's
1: true. So uh, the funny thing is, and I always think about this, I'm assistant director of career services. Does that mean I assist the director of career services? Which is an interesting question because now we no longer have a director of career services. We have the great Jill Brown, who is the director of partnerships and placement. So yes, I assist her by running career services. And so to answer my own question earlier, what does a day in your life look like? Um, It is kind of a combination between chaos and teaching and just spreading joy through campus. I don't know how to describe that any better, but um, a day might consist of going to a classroom and giving a presentation and then going over to a meeting with a faculty member and then coming back and having a meeting with my students mm-hmm. and then meeting with a student one-on-one in my office and then meeting with my staff. There's a lot of meetings with people and with students. Um, I also do the data back side of things. So collecting office data, um, reporting on that, making sure that all of our processes, that we're getting stuff ordered, mm-hmm. that we're members of the associations we're supposed to be a member of, that we're not overspending our budget, kind right. of all those little office things that have to happen and that maybe don't get a lot of time spent on them when they're when you're a forward facing office
0: like we are. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think, you know, that that's us, so we wanted to introduce you to to us before we started bringing other people in. Um, we will definitely continue this on and continue these conversations as we chat with other folks across campus and kind of the same kind of how they got to where they are and the paths they've taken. So We hope that you will join us for future ones as we continue this. So thank you all for uh, joining us for Behind the Bearcat, and we'll talk to you next time.